In the previous chapter, chapter 8, the critical request for kingship, critical in terms of the book of Shmuel, which is all about kingship, Shmuel himself is very much opposed to kingship. He turns to God, he prays to God. No doubt he wants God to say to Shmuel, no way, I'm not allowing kingship, it's a terrible idea. But that's not what God said to Samuel in chapter 8, quite the opposite. In chapter 8, verse number 7, Vayomer Hashem el Shmuel, Shema b'kol ha'am. Obey the people. L'chol asher yomru elecha. Obey them completely. Kilo otcha ma'asu. They have not rejected you. Kioti ma'asu mimlocha. They've rejected me as their king. Kichol ha'ma'asim asher asu miyom haloti otami mitzrayim v'yad ha'yom hazeh. V'yazvuni v'yavdu ha'ohim acherim. The same way they've often rejected me from the moment I took them out of Egypt and they served other gods. That's what they're doing to you. Now obey them. So what God says to Samuel is very interesting. Don't take it personally. It's not a rejection of you. It's a rejection of me. But that statement is framed by the words, both in verse number 7 and once again in verse number 9, Shema B'Kolam. Listen to their voice. Heed their voice. What Shema means probably more than hear, means accept. Accept what they say. Shema B'Kolam. That's twice God repeats the expression Shema B'Kolam. And at the end of the chapter, after Samuel warns them about what a king will do, namely, take He'll take your sons, he'll take your daughters, he'll take your fields, he'll take everything for himself. And he's warning the people in this, his description of kingship of how the king will corruptly take everything. Hoping, no doubt, the people will say, you know, we thought it over, bad idea, but that's not what they say. They say, no, we want to be kechol hagoyim in verse number 20 of the previous chapter. And Samuel once again goes back to God. And what does God say to Samuel at the end, the last verse of the previous chapter? Vayomer Hashem el Shmuel, Shema b'kolam, v'imrachta lahem melech. Once again, third time now, Shema b'kolam. So we know the following, the previous chapter. We know that Samuel is very much opposed to kingship. He tries to talk them out of it. One might say he tries to talk God out of it, but God refuses to accept this. God says three different times, emphasis, three times, Shema B'Kolam, listen to what they have to say, obey them. And it's not about you, it's about me. One might say that perhaps what bothers God, more than what bothers Samuel is, Kichol HaGoyim, a king like all the nations. What do you mean all the nations? They have a special relationship with me. What bothers Samuel was not Kichol HaGoyim. What bothers Samuel was the very idea of kingship. And that may or may not bother God. That's a core question in the book of Shmuel. My own personal belief is that whereas kingship is problematic and is dangerous, that God is not opposed to kingship, nor is the book of Samuel opposed to kingship. We will encounter this question as we proceed through the book. In any event, the bottom line was, Shema B'Kolam, obey them. It's interesting that this expression or this situation where somebody is told Shema 
Bekol. Listen to, hearken to, accept. It's not the first time we have such a situation. We have a similar situation in the book of Breshit, in the story of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham, and the story of Abraham is all about who shall succeed Abraham. It's all about succession. Abraham asks God for an heir, a successor. He has no children. And God promises Abraham in chapter 15 that he will have a biological child, a son, who will succeed him. Right after Abraham is told by God that he will have a son who will succeed him, we are told about the story of Hagar and the story of Yishmael and the birth of Yishmael in chapter 16. Yishmael, God is heard. God is hearing. God is hearing, among other things, Abraham's request. So Abraham is responded to, and the reader, and certainly Abraham, believes this is God's answer. This is my heir. But as it turns out, that's not the case. Sarah, his wife, is to be the one who will bear the covenantal heir. That's chapter 17. Now in chapter 16, Sarah had said to Abraham when she was childless, take my handmaiden as a wife, and I will be built up through her. Surrogate motherhood, but I'll be the real mother. That doesn't work out. We're not going to get into that now. That doesn't work. Later though, God promises Abraham and Sarah in chapter 17 and 18 of Genesis, that Sarah will have the covenantal child. And the child is born in chapter 21. And after the child is born in chapter 21, the Torah said, Vatera Hagar, et ben Hagar Hamitzrit, Sarah hears the son of Hagar the Egyptian, that's Yishmael, mocking or taunting, Mitzachek. And she goes to Abraham and says in chapter 21, throw out the woman and her child. This child cannot inherit with my son, with Isaac. And the matter was evil in Abraham's eyes. Very evil. Concerning his son. Son is Yishmael. Let the matter not be evil in your eyes concerning your handmaiden and her son. Everything that Sarah says, hearken to our voice, obey or listen. Through Isaac will your line continue. The covenantal child is Isaac, it's not Yishmael. Let it not be evil in your eyes. So here in chapter 8, the text plays off that story. In chapter 8, the matter was evil in the eyes of Samuel. And evil, among other things, because they were placing his children, his sons, whom he appointed as Shoftim. And God says, So now we come to chapter 9. In chapter 9, we have the story of the the future king of Israel King Saul who's not yet King Saul but he is Saul and 
The story is that Ve'ish mi Binyamin Ushmo Kish Ben Aviel Ben Sroi Ben Bechorat Ben Afiach Ben Ishimini Gibor Chayil. So it starts with a genealogy. Just as chapter one of this book began with the genealogy of Elkanah, this begins with the genealogy of a man named Kish. Vlohaya Ben, and this man had a son. Ushmo Shaul, Bachur Vatov, Vienish Bibnei Yisrael Tov Mimenu, Mishachmova Mara Gavor Mikolaam, is an excellent young man. No one was better than he. Tov Mimenu. Tov here probably does not mean just physical appearance. The word Tov is a moral category. He's a good person. And not only that, he's a head taller than anybody else. Big husky fellow who's described not only as Tov, but there's no one else who's better. And the story is about Saul, who was sent on a mission to find the missing animals of his father, Kish. That's how the story begins. His father says, serve the atonot, asses or donkeys, go and seek, go and find the missing animals. Take with you a young man, a nar. That's how our story begins. So Shaul sets out to find the missing animals, and he goes from one place to the next, and he can't find them. In verse number four, in verse number five, and in verse number five, he says to the young man who's with him, we better go back home. My father will forget about the missing animals and start worrying about us. Verse number six, Vayomero. So the young lad says to him, In this particular place where we are, and where they are in verse number five is Eretz Tzuf, the land of Tzuf. So the man says to the young man says to Shaul, "There's a man of God in this city, a very revered person. Whatever he says comes true. Let's go to him, and he'll inform us about the path that we are on." If we go, what do we have to bring to the man? There's no food left. We have no gift to give him. We have nothing. Nothing to pay him. So the young man continues to speak to Saul, responding. I have a, a money, a quarter shekel of silver. Let's go to this man. He'll tell us about our journey. Then the right, then the book interposes. In those days, in the past, when one would say, let's go to seek God, a person would say, let's go to the Ro'eh, to the seer what we nowadays call the prophet, the Navi, in those days, they called the seer. Now, what is the point of this story? The seer, of course, the Ro'er, is, of course, Samuel himself. This is the person who is going to be the future king of Israel. In chapter 9, in fact, God says to Samuel, I'm going to send somebody to you from the land of Benjamin, and, ask, and you shall anoint him, appoint him, to be the leader of Israel. 
What do we know about this young man? Apart from the fact that he's good, very good, concerned about his father, worrying about him. But there's something else interesting about the story. He sets out with a young man to accompany him. And they're searching for the missing animals, and they come to the land of Tzuf. What does Tzuf mean? Because the names are not just names, they signify us. Tzuf, Tzofer, Mitzpeh, is a lookout. What Tzuf means to see. They come to the land of vision. When they come to the land of vision, that's when Saul wants to go home. So the young fellow says, why should we go home now? There's a holy man in the city, a man of God. He will tell us about our path. Saul says in verse 7, Uman navi what can we bring to the person but a play on the word navi? We have nothing to bring him. He assumes that you have to pay him. And then he continues, we have nothing to bring him, and we have no gift to bring him. The word for gift in the verse is tishura. In modern Hebrew as well, a tishura is a gift. But it's related to the word lashur. What does the word lashur mean? To see. Also vision. In, in, in Bilam's prophecy, and then the book interposes what the prophet was told today, a prophet in those days was called the Roed, the one who sees. And now, what is the point? When it comes to prophecy, the little boy that's with him knows all about the holy man, probably knows about Samuel. He says, don't worry about the payment, I have a change in my pocket. Saul the noble Saul of the story, may be very noble and very good, seems to know nothing about Samuel or about prophecy, which is very strange, given the fact that the end of chapter 3 said that when Samuel grew up, Vayeda kol Yisrael, the end of chapter 3, that Samuel was a faithful prophet of God. So we have over here a situation where the future king of Israel is somebody perhaps more than anybody else, who is completely ignorant of prophecy. And this will be a central theme and a central question in the entire relationship of Samuel and Saul and the destiny of the first king of Israel.